eclectic music set, but I, I just, there's a lot here this morning, but if you just take your, your song sheet, I was just thinking as I was singing, I was just meditating on all the truths to this, these songs, and I'm grateful with the young people here this morning, uh, we sing a great hymn of the faith. It is literally uh, the anthem of, of the church. The church is one foundation. And if you have been with us in Ephesians, one Lord, one faith, one birth, one holy name, that's, that's straight out of Ephesians. Um, out of Ephesians, we've been talking about loving the Lord and, and moments like these. Uh, uh, I, I love to sing it. I wish I could sing, but I, I love the song. Another scripture that we were singing this morning is thy word. It's a lamp unto our feet, and the Bible's very clear about that. Um, as, as Julie led us in Psalms 47, uh, we, we need to pray God gives us rhythm. Um, we're lacking in rhythm, and, uh, but, uh, but I pray that uh, we all don't have to have rhythm to get into heaven, otherwise I wouldn't be going. So uh, I'm glad that God saved my soul by grace alone. This has been a, an interesting week. It's been a, a difficult week for, for many, and I, I just want to take this opportunity uh, to, to encourage us to continue to pray for Brother Howard Andrews and for the entire family as, uh, as they celebrated the home going of, of Sister Mary Bell on, on Friday. I've been thinking a lot, and I almost changed the message, but I didn't. I've just been thinking about a lot about the saints in this congregation in the last few years that have been um, have went home to be with the Lord, and I know that that leaves a hole. I look I look around the room, and I, I can't get very far, and I, I see uh, tables where uh, loved ones once were, and and they were here with us. And although that's sad, I I was grateful, and I just want to remind us this morning, although worship here is good. Um, the loved ones, especially the saints that have left this congregation and went to be with the church gathered in heaven, uh, they're singing with the angels. And I just would remind you that they're a part of the great cloud of witness Hebrews chapter 12 talks about. And in Hebrews chapter 12, I, I know that that's referring to the previous chapter, the chapter 11, the great hall of fame of faith. But but there are those uh, in this congregation that have went on. They have laid a foundation. They have set an example. And now we need to pick up the pace and we need to continue to run the race. And I was thinking about, about my own particular role in that. And as a part of this congregation, I, I see that, that what, what is happening is, is um, the mantle, if you will, is being passed on. And... And so I'm looking at I'm looking at many of you, and I, I see grandsons and children of those that I'm talking about. And uh, again, this isn't the message. I just want to encourage you in the Lord. I want to encourage you to uh, keep following what God has laid before you. Let's keep this a beacon of the gospel for this community. Let's keep telling our children about the faith. Let's keep teaching John three sixteen. Amen. Let's just keep doing those things that they have taught us to do. And so, and, and let's continue to pray for one another. Thank you, Brother Jacob, for, for reading and for praying, and I appreciate that. And as always, for Marilyn and Julie and, and Jake for making the service happen. I hope you have your Bible still open to Ephesians chapter 4. As we're working through this little epistle, 
Today we're simply coming to the topic, it's one of my very favorite topics, of putting off and putting on. Putting off and putting on. I'm not sure there hasn't been anything more helpful to me in my walk with Christ than understanding this very basic principle. And honestly, you could get the message here, that in Scripture, Paul tells us there are things we need to put off, and every time he tells us to put off something, or the Bible tells us to put off something, there is something of of a new life that we should put on. And as Jacob read for us, it's imperative we understand the context that we find these verses, 17 through 24. It's in the second half of this little epistle where the great apostles encouraging the believers. He's transitioned. He's talking to those who have professed faith in Christ and that were dead. We, we were singing about that. They were dead in their sins. They're alive now to Christ. And he's telling them in verse 1 of chapter 4 to walk worthy in their manner of their calling. He's writing a letter to a, a place called Ephesus, which is now in modern-day Turkey. It was an affluent place with a lot of many of the same amenities that we have. It was kind of like, if you would think, it was just affluent. And mainly they were known for their idolatry, which is not a good thing. It was there that was the home of the temple of Diana, or Artemis is another, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Historians talk about Ephesus as one of the most licentious place in all of the world. Licentiousness, and that's hard for me to say, so I won't try to repeat that more than once. But if you would think about what that is, it is about total unrestraint. It's about throwing off all the protective boundaries and pressing forward into excessive abuse of freedom, especially of the sexual nature. This is easier for me to say. It was a cesspool of sin. Sensuality was rampant. And so for the sake of today's gathering, I'm going to not talk uh, very much more about the immoral behavior But I would just say that if you're one of those people who have watched TV, picked up social media, listened to someone talk, looked around you and said, oh my goodness, I didn't know things could get this bad. It was that and more. And so every possible behavior that was known to man was happening in this place called Ephesus. That's the context. And so Paul is encouraging to walk in their faith. He's encouraging them to keep pressing on. And in verse 17 of this chapter, and and please, we're just going to try to walk through here. Stay there. Let the Word speak to you this morning. He says that they, they should no longer walk as Gentiles do. Well, first of all, there's an interesting thing that we've already saw that God has sent Paul to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, a people group that No one thought they could hear the message of the Messiah, but yet God in His grace allowed every tribe, tongue, and nation to know the gospel. So He's telling them to walk as Gentiles do. Don't walk as Gentiles do. In other words, don't live like the pagans. And so then He goes for the next few verses and says, there is an old life that you need to put off. Put away that old life. In verse 22, it says these words, Put off your old self. 
So what Paul's going to do for us this morning is contrast the old life, the life before Jesus, and the new life. The new life since you're following Jesus. I would agree with Dr. John MacArthur for sure that what he's talking about, there's an old lifestyle and a new lifestyle. There's a way you were before Jesus got a hold of your heart, and there's a way that you live because Jesus got a hold of your heart. We're to live differently if we're following Christ. Let me just say that again. We're we're to be living differently if we're following Christ. This morning was one of those mornings as I was going through my message that I thought, man, I don't even know why I'm preaching because it just seemed that the amount of conviction in my own life was just heaping up. And I'm glad for that in, in, in all senses, but it, sometimes it's tough. But, but I, I knew I had to stand up and say to you all that when we follow Christ, our life should look differently than the rest of the world. We shouldn't laugh at the same things. We shouldn't make the same jokes. Even our potentially our choice of music, the things we watch on TV, Again, I want, and I'll say this a couple of times, he's talking to believers. Nothing we're talking about is going to save you. Let's all get clear. We're saved by the grace of Christ and Christ alone. That's it. That's what saves us, Jesus. But because of that, there is a different way of living. So, what does he say? Just look with me in the verses, starting in 17, and just... I just want to highlight a couple of the words. Futility, the old life. Darkened, alienated, hardened, calloused, sensual, greedy, impure. All characteristics of the old life. You don't have to go back but a couple chapters. In chapter 2, verse 3, he says, among whom we once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. He's talking about the old life. And I think before we get to the new life, we have to talk about the old life. And Dr. John Piper gives an outline, what he calls the, the six phases of the old life, and I I just like to read him, just take him straight from, from him. He says the very first thing about the old life is in verse 18. He says the root of the problem is the hardness of heart. They're hardened to the things of God. Do you know people like that? They're very hardened. We that's a that's a phrase we use, right? You know what I'm talking about. And he says when the hardness of heart at the root of the problem, all of a sudden when they harden their heart against God, they have darkness. They have, it darkens their understanding right here in verse 18. Due to this hardness of hearts, they're darkened in their understanding. The next phase, he says, is because of this darkness, there's a gross ignorance of reality. Again, right here in verse 18. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of ignorance that is in them. I'm amazed of how many smart people with high IQs and great intelligence, but they just seem so ignorant to the things of God. 
That's because they're not following him. The natural man can't know those things. The fourth level, according to Piper, he says that being ignorant of the true value of things in relation to God in eternity, they naturally live to this unrestrained life. They have a desire to go after all the wrong things in all the wrong ways. I'm not asking you to judge anybody this morning. I'm just asking you to think about your sphere of, of influence, your, your, your world. Have you ever seen someone just seem like they, we would say it this way, they just don't have a clue and they keep making wrong choices after wrong choices after wrong choices? Folks, I, the Bible says that's an unregenerative person. That's a person that's not been regenerated. That's a person who's not redeemed. The fifth thing Piper says is found in verse 17. It's a life of futility. When you harden your heart, and this may be a warning to someone in this room today. If you harden your heart, your understanding will be darkened. You're going to become ignorant of the things of reality as God designed them to be. You're going to be passionate about all the wrong things. And then all of a sudden, life will seem futile. When I was preparing this message, there was a person that came to mind. Again, I'm not judging them. I just know that when I interact with them on a daily basis, they just seem not to have any good thing to say. Really about anybody or anything. You ask them and life's just a mess and it's just a waste. And folks, the reason we, we, we use Psalm 118 as a call to worship is because there is a, a verse, it's many people's favorite verses. It happened to be uh, Mary Bell Andrews' favorite verse. And this week it really was on my mind. The only way you can say, this is the day the Lord has made, let us rejoice and be glad in it, is if you know Jesus Christ. That if you're walking with God, because God is the one that gives you that. I, I, I've, I've been a negative Nelly too. I've kind of been a Debbie Downer sometimes. Right? Or a negative Ned. But let me just tell you something. If you're a perpetual grump and you're always in a bad mood, I would just encourage you this morning that you need to check your heart. Are you living as the old life or have you even found Jesus? Or better yet, has Jesus found you? The last one, he says that this last layer here in verse 18 says it seals our hopelessness. In other words, we're alienated from God. Our futile behavior has made marks on our lives. We are dead in our trespasses and sin, and we're alienated from God. My friend, now home with the Lord, Dr. Woody Church, used to talk about the downward spiral of behavior. It just keeps spinning out of control. And the, uh, you know, I hate, to, I hate to use this analogy in a sermon. It's just true. Have you ever watched a toilet flush? When it goes down, it just, by the time it gets to the end, it just. And that's the old life. If you continue to live in that, your life is just going to come off the rails. 
Romans chapter 1. Go home and read that. Spend some time. But the most chilling verse in all of Scripture, or one of them, is Romans 1.28. It says, And since they did, did not see fit to acknowledge God. In other words, since they didn't respond to what God was doing, it says this. These are the chilling words. God gave them up to a debased mind. Or in other words, God gave them to a reparate mind. Well, that's enough of the old life. It just makes me tired and sad and depressed thinking about it. But I'd like for you to look with me into verse 20. Paul says, but. But. In other words, that was the old life. Now we're going in a new direction. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Paul breaks from the thought of an unregenerated life, and he's now talking to believers, and he's saying, hey, folks, that's not you. That's not you. Assuming that you've heard, verse 21, about him, and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. Many commentators suggest that verse 21 maybe should read something this way. That's not you. You heard Jesus. He's writing to a group of people that maybe were alive when Jesus was alive. So what he's saying is, you, you, some of you maybe heard Jesus yourself. You heard Jesus talk about this new life. And then he says, the truth is in Jesus. And although that's correct, really the, I think the idea and, and what other commentators have said is this, the truth, but you have heard the truth, and the truth is Jesus. John 14, 6. Do you know it? Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. So when the Holy Spirit reveals Christ to you, you are receiving the truth. Now I want to give you as much hope in the next 30 seconds as you can find in all of Scripture. If you don't mind, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter, just go back a couple. Uh, doesn't take very many pages. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Look at me with verses 6, 9, and following. There's a nasty list here. Paul's talking here, and he says, uh, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? It's a rhetorical question. Don't you know that the unrighteous, that's, we all know that, the unrighteous won't inherit the kingdom of God. He says, Don't be deceived, and he gives this terrible list. Sexual and moral adulterers, adulterers, men who practice homosexuality, thieves, greedy, drunkards, revelers, swindlers. They should not inherit the kingdom of God. That's as bad of a list as you can get. But let me give you hope. Let me give you hope if you're praying for someone. Let me give you hope this morning if you think, well, Tim, you described me, and I don't know if God can save me. Let me give you the hope that is, is, is as great of any words in, in Scripture. Verse 11 is as great of words I've ever written. Such were some of you. In other words, God saves those kind of people. God reaches out of heaven and redeems those kind of people. And let me be very clear. That list, although I may not have 
practiced every one of those sins in my own life, in my heart, I'm probably guilty of most of them. So such was some, so such was a guy like me. And Paul says, guess what? You were saved. Look at verse 11 and following. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. I have to stop here this morning and ask you a question. The man writing these words was the infamous Saul of Tarsus. He was a bad of a dude as there walked on the planet. And Jesus reached out of heaven and got a hold of his heart and changed his life. When Jesus met him on the road to Damascus, he said, Saul, Saul. And here's all that happened. He just said, Lord. He just responded. I want to make sure that you've responded. Have you been washed by the blood of Calvary's lamb? Has Jesus presented to you the good news of the gospel? And have you repented of your sins? Have you turned from your old life? Have you placed your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus? If you haven't, if the Lord is speaking to you this morning and you have not done that, don't listen to another thing I have said. And quietly, in the, in the quietness of your heart, just say, Lord Jesus, I'm repenting and I'm trusting you now. And God will save you. Paul tells them that for those that have done that, to put away the old life and put on the new, verse 23, how do we put on this new man? To be renewed in the spirit of our mind. Be renewed in the spirit of your minds, he says. Proverbs 23, 7, the King James says, For as a man thinketh in his heart, so he is. We spent a great deal of time in Romans chapter 12 um, a couple weeks ago. What you think about is what's going to happen. It's just true. It's just true. And I think sometimes the reason I'm inept in my Christian walk, the reason I'm struggling about putting off the old lifestyle and accepting the new, new lifestyle is because it's what's going on between my two ears. And we're not talking about calculus and physics, and we're not talking about those things. It's about the things that we're fixing our minds on. And as I was preparing this message, I just got thinking about, I'll just quickly remind you, and then we're, we're going to get to some practical application here in just a moment. But Ephesians chapter 1, verses 17 through 19, you can go back there, but let me just remind you of some of the things that Paul said in that prayer. He prayed for the spirit of wisdom, of revelation, of knowledge. He asked that the Lord enlighten their hearts. He prayed that they may know what is the hope which they have been called, that they may know the riches of Christ. That's in the first chapter. Why was Paul writing that? Because he's coming here later in this letter to tell them to put off the old life and accept the new life. He's praying in the very first chapter that God would allow them to know that, to give, be given the spirit of wisdom for, for them to have revelation of the knowledge of Christ. Because why? Because Jesus is the truth. The way they change is because fixing our minds on Jesus. Ephesians chapter 3. Another place he says he prays that they may have strength to comprehend what is the breadth and length and height and depth 
to know the love of Christ, to know this love that surpasses the knowledge that they've been given. Colossians chapter 3, verse 2 and 3. Let me read these words. Same apostle, writing to the church at Colossae, says, Set your minds on things that are above, not on the things of earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Where's your mind this morning? This, let's just be honest. I just want to just jump. I wish I had a mind reader. Just go, doo, 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 and I could just see. I, I don't want you to have it for me, but what are you thinking about? I wish you'd sit down and shut up. I'm hot. The fans are buzzing. The lights are buzzing. I wish I'd have grabbed a cup of coffee. Did I put the dog up? What are we going to have to eat? Man, that guy at work is a real jerk. How am I going to pay my bills? Will I ever get married? Will I ever get divorced? How's my kids? Do, do you see what? Do you see where? Right here, right now. And all those things are, are things we should worry about. I, I, I'm way off of my notes. But every morning we need to start with setting our minds on the things that are above. Get our minds fixed. Philippians chapter 4, Jake says, that's your go-to chapter. It is. I, I talk about Philippians 4 probably more than any chapter in the Bible. You know, you know it. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonable be known to man. He, let your, don't be anxious. Pray. Let the peace of Christ pass all understanding. Guard your heart and mind. And then in verse 8, we did a whole ser sermon series on these. Finally, brothers, do you know what he says? Think on these things. What are the things he tells us to think on? what is true and honorable and just and pure and lovely and commendable and excellent. He says, if there are any of those, think on these things. In, order, in other words, meditate on these things. Practice these things. Why is he saying that? That's how we pick up the, old, the new life. That's how we throw off the old life. If you're struggling this morning of, of throwing away the old life, of following Christ, if you're struggling with, like I do sometimes, living in a manner worthy of the gospel, that my life reflects the gospel, that everything about me reflects Jesus, how do we do that? It's what we put in here. Because what we put in here, or our heart, reveals our actions. Do, do you get that? You don't get angry first without, without it coming from your heart. The Bible says in Matthew, out of the heart comes the wickedness of man. So what we put in, garbage in, garbage out. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Again, I just, just listened to it. Paul's writing again, the same Paul says, don't lose heart. The outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. We're being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Verse 18, and we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. What is he saying? He's saying, when it seems you're wasting away, when it seems life is coming undone, when it seems like everything's going, just going awry, focus on Jesus. Focus on Jesus. 
I'm going to get real practical and a little different message. I'm going to go fast, but I just want to stop. I want to make sure that we understand the points. There's two ways to live. There's the, the, we can live like the world, or we can live like Christ. And Paul's saying, if Jesus has saved you, if, and, and, and this is the way I like to say it, if, if you've been baptized, because that is our public confession of faith, if you've stood before a congregation and been baptized and said, I am allying my life with Christ, I'm his, he's mine, I've surrendered my life, if you've done that, then you, Paul says, should walk in a manner worthy of what you just said you believed. Otherwise, you're a hypocrite. Otherwise, you're just playing a game. And that life looks differently. And the way we do that is by renewing our mind. One of the greatest principles is this put off and put on a biblical change. So now I'm going to get into some practical application. It's a process for change. We call it progressive sanctification. Progressive sanctification. According to the Westminster Shorter Catechism, sanctification is the work of God's free grace, whereby we're renewed in the whole man after the image of God, enabled more and more to die until sin and live into righteousness. So it's it's changing us into the image of Christ. Regeneration or being born again is the new birth. Sanctification is growth. Regeneration is where God gives us the desire for holiness, where he comes into our life and saves us by his grace. Do you get that? Everybody with me? Somebody say amen. Somebody with me. This is, this is being born again. This is being saved. I want to use all the words that we say. This is a, a new life in Christ. This is having a relationship with Christ. This is following Christ. This is when we become a Christian. That's the regeneration process. Just like a baby, you're only born once. So we're born the second time as a spiritual creature. We're born. We, we're, we're, we have this new life. Sanctification is the growth process. It's getting little Johnny to big Johnny. It's getting little Jill to big Jill. It's the Holy Spirit working in, in you, enabling you to live according to God's purposes to fill the new life. Regeneration or the new birth is a one-time thing. You are, you're justified, you're saved one time. You're not saved over and over. If God saved you, you're saved. If he saved you in, in 1945, you're saved. If he saved you in 1999, you're saved. Whenever he saved you, you're saved. You get that? You're saved. Now we go through the work of sanctification. Learning to live like the new man. This text gives us a biblical structure of change. So we need to put off sinful habits. Is there something in your life that you need to put off? How do you know? A couple of ways. You're never going to know it if you don't look at God's Word. It's the magnifying of your life. It's what God's going to use to examine. So when you're reading it, when you come across the text and it says, uh, don't be angry, the very first thing you should do is, is confess that. Lord, I, I've been angry. Confess means to make an agreement between you and God. God, I'm, I'm ang- I've been angry. I'm an angry guy. I have an anger problem. So he identifies it, you confess it, then you repent of it. We all understand what repentance is. It's repentance, it's, this is the only way I can ever remember. Repentance means if I'm going this way, I'm going to turn 
and go this way. So repentance is if I'm angry all the time, God's identified it in my life, I'm going to turn and I'm not going to be angry. I'm going to try not to be angry. I'm going to practice this put off, put off, put off, put on process. I lay it aside. Identify, confess, repent, lay them aside. 2 Timothy 2.2, Paul says, flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness. Goodness gracious, I wish the church would have told me that when I was a little younger. And goodness gracious, I believe we failed as a church here. Young people, anybody under 54. You need to flee youthful passions. All the stuff that you're tempted with. All those passions that, that just well up in you. Sexual and immoral and carousing and debauchery and all those things. You need to flee them and pursue faith, love, peace with a pure heart. So when we put off something, it leaves a hole. Would you agree with this? If, I, if I'm going to put it off, I'm, gonna, I'm anger. I'm just using that one. We're going to talk about it in a few weeks. I, I'm going to repent from it so there's a hole. What does God do? You put off the old man and you put on. This is a great parenting thing for kids. If you tell, if you, he's here, I'll pick on him. If you just tell Jackson not to do something, he's going to struggle <laughs> greatly. Um, but, but telling Jackson to not do something and then telling him he can do something, that's a whole different thing, isn't it? That's a whole different game. I mean, I've, I've parented, I've failed miserably. A lot of times we just tell people what they can't do. You can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do whatever. Well, okay, now what can I do? And the Bible's the same way, so it's just this put on. So wherever there's a, 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 a practice that's sinful that we need to lay aside, God tells us there's a new attitude, a new action, a new behavior to put on. We're going to go through some of those. They're on your table. So what's happening is we're growing in this manner worthy of our call. So how do we do that? I'm going to sound like a broken record, but just hang on. We have one thing to, uh, to promote here, the Lord Jesus Christ and his word. So how do you put on things? You hear his word. You read his word. You study his word. You memorize his word. You meditate on his word. Those are spiritual habits. They take time and effort. Some other things that I've done is I, I listen. On Sunday mornings, I, I, I have a, a routine. I, I just listen to a certain group of music to prepare my heart. I read books about the Christian life. If you don't know what any of those are, I can recommend those. We've done that as a church. Attend a conference. You go everyplace else, attend a conference. I can recommend a few of those when we get past COVID. Can I just speak? I'm just going to speak straight. I hear people say, well, I, you know, I'm struggling with my spiritual life, blah, blah, blah. And, and then you ask, well, when's, when's the last time you've been in the Word? Uh, when did you pray last? Uh, that's, that's not me. When's the last time you just meditated on a scripture? Hmm? I'm not much into meditation. Isn't that wrong anyway? No, no. Listen, trying to, do you see what I'm saying? I'm going, to get, I'm going to get to stomping on toes right now, but let me just tell you something. 
if, if I'll use Jackson again, if Jackson wanted to play basketball, we'll send him to basketball camp. We'll give him one-on-one training. We'll let him play Betty Ball on Saturdays, Junior Jets. We'll, we'll encourage him to watch some UK ball game and tell him, hey, this is the way the big boys do it. Bubby, just sit there and watch, and we'll spend hours doing that. I love basketball. Let me be very clear. I just wonder if that's not what we should be doing in our spiritual lives. Somebody get a new hobby, and they'll get all in on the new hobby. They'll buy all the stuff. They'll do all. I'm I'm guilty. Kim will tell you. I I get a hobby. I, I just go all in. Some of us this morning, in order to live this new life, need to go all in on the things of God. Just put off and put on. When we do that, we'll glorify God and demonstrate our love for Him. On your table, just look real quick. We're almost done. We're, we are done. But I want you to look on your table. There's a sheet called Put Off and Put On. It's on the link to the, to the Zoom call as well. I think if you just go home or give it to your spouse and just see if there's some things that, are, that you need to do for instance, bitterness. You ever known a bitter person? Have you ever been bitter about something in your life? You're just bitter. You put off bitterness and you put on tenderheartedness and forgiveness. You just can't be bitter with someone that you say, I'm going to forgive. It's just hard. Murmuring. Complaining. Anybody grumble around here? This year the Lord laid on my heart as I was thinking about this year and praying, I, I, I realize I'm negative a lot of times. When somebody talks to me, I want to share a negative thing with them immediately. I think I just want them to feel sorry for me. I don't know what's wrong with me. But, but so I decided that I, I wasn't going to do that. I was going to try not to do that. Well, the put on is praise. Just, just what if you just do that? Critical spirit, kindness, losing temper, self-control, what about, are there any warriors in the room? Any people, not warrior like, I'm going to fight you, but a warrior like, I worry about stuff. Put off worry and put on trust. This list is there for you, it's for your action, for your God to use you in your own life. Here's the point I'm trying to make with this application is We need to live differently. It's what Paul's writing in Ephesians 4. How do we do that? It's going to take work. It's going to take effort. This is the part of the Christian life. Again, we're not talking about getting saved by doing these things. We're talking about living a Christian life worthy of the gospel. There's some put-ons that don't have put-offs. Make disciples. Give thanks to God. Put on the full armor of God. Walk in a manner pleasing to him to rejoice. Those are put-ons that don't have a put-off. So I conclude, how do you do that? You do it by prayer and action. Again, I'm talking to believers, people who profess Christ. Let me say this. You can't do anything if you don't do it through the power of prayer. If you're going to try to do what we're talking about today in your own strength, it's impossible. Don't try. But if you will pray and ask God to help you and you apply yourself, that is how it works.
It's called discipleship. God growing you, building you, encouraging you in the faith. I conclude with these words of John Newton. He's the guy who wrote Amazing Grace. He was a former slave trader. He was a pretty bad dude. He's quoted to have said, I am not what I might be. I'm not what I ought to be. I'm not what I wish to be. And I'm not what I hope to be. But thank God, listen to this. Here's a but. But thank God I am not what I once was. And I can say with the great apostle, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Are you what you once was not? And by the grace of God, you're different. Are there things in your life you need to change? Is God speaking to your heart? Are you growing in this faith? Father, thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, as, as we wrap up here today that you would just take this simple message of put off and put on, living a new life in Christ. Let us be as diligent and as supply the effort like we would for anything else of lesser importance. Let us, Lord, pursue you in our faith and our walk so we could reflect you as in a manner worthy of the gospel that saved us. I pray this in Jesus' name.